0: Hi, Lenny. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to season one, episode 20 of the Front Porch Book Club. The Front Porch Book Club is a podcast that meets twice a month. We like to dig deep
1: into the relationship between characters and the worlds they live in. Grab your book and iced tea and join us on the Front Porch. Linny,
0: today we interview Chrissy Hart about her children's book,
1: Tea with the Queen. Oh my goodness, such a cute little book. I think what our listeners are gonna be really interested in is how she came up with this book and how she developed her idea into this beautiful little children's story. It's quite a
0: little story she tells. It is. Dr. Chrissy Hart is an author award-winning podcaster, and retired child psychologist. She was born in Cyprus. Dr. Hart grew up in England from the age of three and has lived in York, Pennsylvania for 21 years. She worked in Great Britain's National Health Service for many years, and along with her late husband, Barry, had a private practice in England as well as in York, Pennsylvania. Chrissy loves to write stories for children from her cultural heritage that are inspiring and spiritually satisfying. She has six published children's books. She also hosted Ancient Faith Radio's popular weekly children's program, Readings from Under the Grapevine, for 14 years. And she developed her first children's book with that same name.
1: Oh my goodness, this is such a fun interview. So let's get to it, Nance. Great, let's go.
2: Welcome to our front porch, Chrissy. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me.
1: We love having you and we loved your book. Thank you. First of all, what gave you the idea of writing a book about a <laughs> uh, mouse family's trip to okay. see the queen?
2: <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> this story actually grew out of a storytelling workshop that I went to by my then-mentor, Judy Wolfman, who is a retired teacher and is author of many, many children's books herself and other books as well. So she put a whole bunch of pictures on the table and we all had to just pick one randomly. I picked a picture of... Three mice <laughs> on a goose traveling. What? happened in the sky. And, <laughs> and it just intrigued me so much. So we had to pick a picture and then just make up a story about it. It was a beautiful drawing. And they did have like tweedy clothes on. And, and it looked to me like an old mice couple. Looked just like grandparents to me. Oh. And, a, and a little kid mouse being British as well as American, I missed England. And so I thought I would just make up a story that was very British, <laughs> <laughs> really inserting into this story uh, all kinds of things that I missed, you know, about uh, about England. So I had the idea of having them travel on this goose, uh, which was kind of a taxi to England to meet the Queen, which of course turns out to be the mouse queen. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so I imagine that underneath the floorboards in Buckingham Palace, there was this little world of mice <laughs> with the mouse queen living underneath that. So you don't discover that till the end of the story, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the story, I've got them dressed up really warm because it must be really cold up there in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought about British names, you know, that I could name them. So mm-hmm. I thought that Harriet and Arthur were very British sounding names. Oh, I think so. <laughs> and Charlie as well. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, after Prince Charles. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so, so really it was just very fanciful kind of creative idea, not based on any fact or anything like that. <laughs> I just really had fun with it, writing it in the class uh, and, I, I, and I've and i always had this fantasy of having tea with the Queen, something that I would love to do. <laughs> I actually have a friend who really did have tea with the Queen, not just by herself. If you do charitable work in England, you're likely to get invited to a big tea party, you know, oh, nice. on the grounds. <laughs> and this friend of mine did do a lot of charitable work and she did get invited to have tea with the Queen. <laughs> so, so it was my fantasy to have tea with the Queen. So that's kind of the... The backstory to that. So I really wrote half of it in the class, and then we ran out of time. And the other people in my group loved the story so much because we all had to go around and read our story. Right. <laughs> and they said, you know, you should get this published. <laughs> so it sat around for a while in my drawer, <laughs> and then one day I just took it out and I just decided to to finish it. It didn't really take that long. Um, sent it to my my mentor and she critiqued it. You know, came back and I I tweaked it a little bit and then sent it off to my publisher, Exis Publishing, who had already published another book of mine actually, and it got published. So I loved some of the imagery, you know, in there. There are aspects of Britain that I really miss, like the the red phone booth, yes, <laughs> very famous. You know, the red postal box. Um, you know, those kind of things. Big Ben. And Big Ben, of course, you know. Most people have heard of Big Ben, right? (laughs) Yes. And, of course, the Queen's Corgis are famous as well. Yes, yes. When it came to finding an illustrator, Stephen McKinnon, who illustrated it, did a fantastic job, I thought. I was really Mm -hmm. happy, you know, with the finished piece. (laughs) It was kind of what I imagined it to look like. And actually, before it got to publication our whole family went to england i did some research i called it research <laughs> we had to go to buckingham palace of course to right. you know yeah to research the story so so we all went i wanted to see the gardens and i took a lot of photographs of of the palace and the gardens and so on and i had them ready just in case the illustrator wanted them but he had his own ideas which was fine <laughs> you know some illustrators like the idea of the author giving them photographs and so on but it was fun anyway doing that research even (laughs) though he didn't get to use any of the uh, the photographs it really was uh, a great visit and we had tea you know in the gardens which was really nice too and visited the, the bookstore and so on that was my first visit actually to Buckingham Palace inside. So it was really very special. Wow. So, you know, when you get to write about a book, it's really fun doing the research. (laughs) (laughs) And this this was really fun.
0: We really did love the illustrations. Uh, Linnea and I were talking about how gorgeous they are. So when did the publisher decide on Stephen as
2: your illustrator? Did you have any
0: conversations with him or was it really a very separate process?
2: It was a very separate process. I never got to speak to him. I've not met him. And it's interesting because with my other books, I did have conversations. Uh, With my very first book, I sent a lot of photographs to the illustrator because it was based on a story from Cyprus, where I'm from. Uh, and a story about my grandmother. And I had a lot of photographs from my country from the island of Cyprus, which the illustrator really welcomed and found very helpful. Um, So this was a very separate process and very different, you know, with this book, but it but it turned out just beautiful. Oh, absolutely. it was fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, since then, we've had conversations since it's been published, uh, we have, but um, it's interesting how It works very differently from book to book. Mm -hmm. With my two other books, which were illustrated by the same illustrator, uh, Nico Ciocelli, I met him because he had come to our church and we got together and he shared ideas and I shared my ideas and we worked very closely. But in the end, it was his interpretation Mm -hmm. uh, of those, those stories for those books but, no, I'm really happy with it. I love the brightness of the front cover. Yes. <laughs> and I just think he did a great job illustrating just the the feeling, you know, the feeling of the story. Uh, it was really wonderful.
1: We were talking, trying to figure out, and I don't know if you know, Christy, was he mm. doing, like, a
2: watercolor with, like, pen? Yeah. How did he um, create that look? It looks like watercolor, but, you know, I don't know. He didn't tell me. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's just beautiful. I just loved it. It looks like watercolor, but I don't know if there's any other process, you know, yeah, um, to that. But it looks like he did everything in watercolor. I should yeah. ask him. <laughs>
1: it's, just, it's just beautiful how he did that. I don't know yes. if I've ever seen anything quite like that. I know. Well, your background in child psychology One of the things that I I liked about your book was the little mouse and how he overcame some scary things. That's right. He was a problem solver. Mm. Um, There's some resiliency in there. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know, were you thinking about all of that when you were writing this from a child psychologist point of view or-
2: um, I didn't really think about it too closely, but I'm sure that my background in child psychology influenced my writing because I was certainly aware of that that um okay. he's expressing anxiety about the the height. Right? <laughs> Actually, that's my fear. <laughs> I don't like heights. Um <laughs> And then he does, yeah, he does overcome that. And then grandmother's, you know, trying to console him and <laughs> get him distracted and, and so on. But yes, you're absolutely right there that um, from a child's point of view, there's a little bit of a struggle and some difficulty, but he learns to overcome that. And it's mm-hmm. really his resilience, I think, that kind of wins through at the end as well when the corgis come. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> Well, it's always good to have black licorice in your pocket.
2: (laughs) It's funny that, you know, when you read the the reviews, you know, on Amazon, (laughs) I think somebody had said, oh, you should never feed dogs that, you know. (laughs) And I thought, well, of course you wouldn't, because this is all fictional. (laughs) Uh, That's what parents are for, right? When you read the story... It, it gives an opportunity to discuss this and say, now, you know, you wouldn't do this. <laughs> you wouldn't give them licorice, really. I kind of like the twist at the end, I, I think, with the queen being the mouse queen, not the real queen.
0: <laughs> yeah, we wondered if that was a twist that you had planned. yes. And maybe the adults would really have this assumption that it was going to be the queen queen. Yes. And that that was like a little, aha, parents, you think you know what's going to happen. Yes. (laughs) the mouse queen. And and the kids, they might all the way along have imagined that it's the mouse queen because they don't have the assumptions that maybe adults
2: would bring to the story. And and that's interesting because you could ask them. Right. Did you really think it was going to be a mouse queen or the real queen?
0: (laughs) Right. It probably depends what country the kid is from, too. English children might more likely think the the actual queen, where American kids who know a little less about the monarchy wouldn't maybe be thinking that. I don't know.
2: Right, right, that's a that's a good point. And I guess the other reason why I I had this storyline, you know, about the queen is that I'm a royalist, you know. I love the royal family. <laughs> so it was really great fun to craft a story that was about about the queen even though it was a mouse queen in the end.
1: I particularly liked reading it with your accent. I have yes. to tell you, when I was reading it <laughs> I was hearing your voice. Yes. And it added a certain little bit of Britain flair to yeah, it. Yeah, that's right.
2: <laughs> it's on YouTube. I'll actually read this. And I actually enjoyed doing the different voices. <laughs> like the Cockney Oi <laughs> <Aww. laughs> was kind of fun doing that. And and then the more upper class sort of accent as well. And the accents that they, you know, the grandparents would use was really fun too. So it's fun actually reading it to kids. Oh! And after this came out, I did have a little party at my house where I read it to children from church. And that was really fun.
0: Right. Aww. Did you serve tea to the children?
2: I can't remember if I served tea. I think we did this maybe at Christmas time. And my, my husband, Barry... Dressed up as Santa, and so yeah, and gave gifts away and so on. So that was fun. Oh, oh
0: wonderful! <laughs> <It's> lovely. <laughs> well, I loved Percy. I thought he was such a great character because he's kind of dangerous with his frightening flying and his crash landings. <laughs> yes, but he's also kind of a guide of sorts, getting them to London and knowing how to get to the Queen. I wondered if this was a chance for children to experience the complexity Mm. and who people are, that people aren't all good or bad, competent or incompetent, Mm -hmm. that people can be many things at one time. Yes. Was that in your mind when you wrote this?
2: Um, Not so much, really. But um, I I just like the novel idea of having a goose instead of an airplane (laughs) taking them. (laughs) Yes. And I just love the the little glasses oh the goggles are fantastic yeah yeah and he, he just seemed to know where he was going mm-hmm. and they trusted seemed to trust him I mean they were sitting on the back they weren't fastened in with seat belts like on an airplane true yeah <laughs> <laughs> well travel can be perilous so yeah yeah it can <laughs> and then when I'm talking about the food the chips of course in England chips are french fries aren't they right <laughs> So, when you're reading that here in the States, children may think chips are like potato chips, which they're not. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I did love all of the sights from London. And I wondered if, for some kids, this would be their first introduction mm. to yeah. London and some of those iconic symbols of London. Right. And get them interested in traveling, maybe. Yeah,
2: that would be very nice. I grew up in London from age three. Oh. And my parents are still in London. So I miss it very much. And so that was one of the reasons why I wrote this story, that it was based mostly in London.
0: When did you move to the United States, Chrissy?
2: December 2000. Okay. My late husband, Barry, had lived in England for 26 years and uh, a psychologist as well and wanted to come back home. Okay. He was tired of it raining all the time. (laughs) Although I think the weather improved, you know, once we left. (laughs) It was sunnier. It didn't rain as much. (laughs) So I did want to mention I dedicated the book to a little boy called Charlie, Charlie Carter Bates, who passed away from his battle with a brain tumor back in 2010. I wanted the book to also mean something for me and to have a purpose, and I had gotten to know his godfather because of my first book, Under the Grapevine. His godfather had come across my first book through his own father, who was a Greek Orthodox priest. Wow. And his father had come across this book in Cyprus, actually, and... Charlie does have Greek Cypriot heritage and his godfather is Greek Cypriot and so that was our connection and his godfather had asked people to pray for Charlie uh, on social media. This was years ago now and he had asked me in particular, he would contacted me and asked me to pray for him because of my first book about Saint Candias who is very special in our family. And so when Charlie lost his battle, it really, really got to me, actually, because I felt in some way that I had failed him, that my prayers, you know, didn't work. And so I really wanted to do something via my book by having this dedication. And it so happens that his parents founded a charity the same year that my book was released in 2014. And it's called Charlie Charges on because of Charlie's love for rhinoceroses and oh. um, that's why they called it Charlie Charges On and so I have this website in my book it's in the dedication in the hopes that people would follow it up and maybe find out more about uh, about their work you know and the charity which was really to raise awareness into brain tumor research which uh was very much underfunded in Britain. And I I know that it's underfunded in this country as well. Mm-hmm. So for me it wasn't just a book about mice. <laughs> it had some meaning and purpose, you know, for me in, in helping in a in a small way.
1: I'm so glad that you told us about Charlie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll
0: add that link on our website on the episode okay. page too, so people can find it there. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. yeah.
2: That would it's be a great. beautiful
1: story. That's wonderful. Chrissy, I know you have been writing for years, and I have been to probably two or so of your parties to put out your book. Yes. What are the other projects that you've been working
2: on lately? I have to say that, you know, when Barry became ill back in 2019, I've, I haven't been writing since then. My writing muse, if you like, kind of just left, (laughs) left the building, shall we say, mostly because of just all the stress of being a caretaker and, you know, taking care of him that year. And then when he passed uh, at the end of 2019, uh, I think just dealing with the grief, not just myself, but supporting my two adult children as well.
0: Yeah.
2: And really before he became ill, I was working on a book, which was a therapeutic book for children. The Ladybug. Yeah, but nothing happened with it. <laughs> so I, I was wondering about that Ladybug. I had uh, submitted it to two publishers. I know it doesn't sound like a lot because in the publishing world, you often have to submit over and over and over again. And I did uh, have it critiqued and I did revise it you know, multiple times. But now I'm not sure that I want to stay with that story. I still like the ladybug idea, <laughs> yeah. but I think I'm going to totally revise it. So I haven't given up on that topic, but I'm not sure it's going to be about anxiety anymore. Or if it is, it's going to be totally different. <laughs>
1: okay.
2: And I did use that story actually in my practice, in my therapeutic practice, just the draft version. And it was helpful in mm-hmm. helping children. And I did have something for parents as well that went with it. So I think that's going to be revised. But I do have another idea that I've had for some time. And it's going to be probably a Christian story again, because this tea book was the only secular book that I had. The other five are Christian books for children. So I do have another idea. And I I think I'm getting closer now to thinking about writing again.
1: I love the illustrations with the Greek Orthodox books that you have done. Thank you. And I remember meeting the illustrator. Now you're talking
2: about Nico. Nico. Nico, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just beautiful books. Yes.
1: I remember just wanting to talk to him and Mm -hmm. just finding out about him because these illustrations were just unbelievable.
2: You know, he is such an amazing artist. He got his his green card for this country on the basis of his spectacular artistic skills. Mm, wow. On the basis of being an extraordinary artist. You know, he's had many, many art exhibits around the country. Uh, he's a fantastic speaker as well. He had a wonderful exhibit at the Antiochian village, which comes under the Antiochian Archdiocese, Orthodox Christian Archdiocese, had a wonderful exhibit there, which included all of his children's books, all of them. (laughs) So including uh, the two that we have together, but he also has other children's books with St. Vladimir's Seminary Press. His were the first children's books that they published ever. And they're all amazing. I mean, just owning, you know, one of his books uh, is wonderful because Mm -hmm. they're really pieces of art.
1: Yes, they really are. Every page. You think that he's Uh, been like 300 hours just on this one page? It's just
2: unbelievable. He's very meticulous. Um, He does fantastic work. And, you know, it cannot be hurried. (laughs) You can't hurry art, he's told me. (laughs) So I know I'm very impatient. You know, I want something to come out quickly. uh, And uh, it's quite a process. You know, it can take years For a picture book to come out because of of the artwork, really. Uh, I think my favorite has to be the second book that I had published, which is The Hermit, The Icon and The Emperor.
1: I think I have that book.
2: I just love every page, really, in that book. And I have a number of his pieces up in my house. Of course, I love the front cover of the, The Legend of the Cross, which is the lion when people look at that, they think of the Chronicles of Narnia.
0: Yeah, Aslan.
2: Aslan, they think of Aslan. Yeah. And that was in his mind when he painted that as well. Okay. But he also represents Christ, of course. And then my first book, Claire Brandenburg, is the illustrator for the first one. And she did a great job with that. And uh, I gave her a picture of my daughter, Sophia, for the front cover, because evidently I looked like like my grandmother I didn't have any pictures of my grandmother, but Sophia looked just like me when she was a young child. And so the illustrator used a picture of her for the front cover.
0: (laughs) And that book is a story about your grandmother?
2: Yes, that's a true story about my grandmother who was healed by the, the intercessions of this saint who was only known in Cyprus. He's known now around the world because I think of the book that I had published about him, St. Gendayus. But yeah, she became sick when she was about three, probably polio. And the doctors were not great 100 years ago (laughs) in Cyprus. And she became worse. She became paralyzed and stopped eating, obviously couldn't walk. And he just suddenly appeared to her on the farm when she was sleeping under the grapevine one day and appeared to her on a white horse as a grandfather figure. He um, asked her what was wrong and she said she couldn't walk. And uh, she was awake. She was not sleeping at that point. She'd woken up and he said he would take her to his church. And uh, in those days, I guess children weren't afraid of strangers (laughs) (laughs) Um, because she got onto his horse with him and he took her to his church. And at the bottom of the mountain, there is a little cave where there are pictures of him. They're called icons, paintings of him. And he gave her some holy water and some grapes to eat and took her up to the top of the mountain where there is his church. And by which time she was able to stand and... He asked her to kiss the icon of him, (laughs) a picture of him. We call that reverencing the icon. And when he took her back to the farm, she was all better. She ran to her parents to their total astonishment and she told them what happened. And she told them that he promised, that, that she had promised him that she would take them to his church on Sunday. So they all went by horse and buggy, no cars then, no cars a hundred years ago. And when they got there, she said, this is where the Bapu, Bapu means grandfather in Greek, where the Bapu gave me water to drink and grapes to eat. When they got to the top of the church, she pointed out a very old picture of him, an icon of him. And she said, that's the grandfather that brought me here. And the mother fell to her knees because she knew who that was. This was a saint who had lived there on the island a thousand years ago. And she had been praying to him fervently for a long time. Because in that area, there are many miracles in my village of Akna and the village of Afgaru, where his church is situated. Many miracles happen regularly. I can tell you that my mother's best friend, this friend's husband, was also miraculously healed through his intercessions. He had cancer in his neck. And he had been praying to this saint and promised that if he was cured, he would name his first child after him. Well, it miraculously vanished. The doctors couldn't explain it. <laughs> and he named his daughter Gendulla after the saint. Oh, it's beautiful. And my mother has another friend who also was healed through the prayers of this saint. So, yeah, so there are many, many miracles, but I have not read or heard of a story like my grandmother's. Mm-hmm. I have read the late abbess's book about this saint. Many people wrote to her with their miracle stories and she had it published, and I read it in Greek. (laughs) There are no stories like this where the saint actually appears on a white horse, (laughs) literally. Wow. Most people dream about him. Some people have seen him all the nuns had seen him around the monastery. He appears to them and he actually introduces himself and he says, I'm (laughs) St. (laughs) Gendeus.
1: Just so you know. Yes, and it's very strange (laughs) because
2: when we visited uh, Cyprus back in 2007, we went to his feast day. On his feast day, there are many market stalls and people selling goods and food and so on. And then there's a service at the church And uh, I went into the cave and I had the strangest deja vu feeling. As soon as I went in there, I said to my mother, I feel like I've been here before. And she said, your grandmother used to bring you all the time, regularly as a baby.
0: Wow.
2: Here. Yeah. So that's how my interest developed. And I talked to my mother more about the story and did more research about him That book is called Under the Grapevine, right? Yes, it's called Under the Grapevine, A Miracle by St. Gendeus of Cyprus. Great. But really, my mother told me this story for years as I was growing up. I remember when she visited her sister who was very sick uh, and who had died of cancer. My mother had visited her, and here I was calling her, wanting to know what kind of animals did they have and what color was the roof, you know? And and she just thought I was being really trivial and bothering her, but I had to get all this information for the story at the time. The stories
1: that you've written there are so inspirational and they're so full of meaning. And again, beautifully Mm, illustrated. Mm -hmm. Um, Just enjoy everything that you've written, Chrissy. Thank you, Linda. Whatever Ladybug or whatever you come up next, I'm going to get that one too, because I loved the Ladybug book. I think you pretty much had that one done when I read it. I know.
2: Well, Uh, it's funny because just yesterday I was in in the house holding my cat, Lulu, and I suddenly saw something on my shoulder. I thought, what is that? And it was a ladybug. So I thought, okay, this is a sign. There you go. And I'm bringing this <laughs> up today. you got to write this. <laughs> well, we need
1: those good little books for our okay. therapeutic offices. Right. Um, Chrissy, what's the best way people can stay in touch with you or learn more about you? Okay. Well, Facebook maybe. Okay.
0: People could go to your website and find out what you're up to on that. They could. Yeah. And so we'll definitely link your website also to our page. What is your website?
2: It's, so it's chrissihart.com. Okay. So it's C-H-R-I-S-S-I-H-A-R-T.com.
0: Wonderful. It's been so great having a chance to talk with you, um, not only about Tea with the Queen and what a fun and lovely book that is, but (laughs) about the inspiration for this and some of the other books that you've written. Mm -hmm. It's really wonderful to hear all about your inspirations.
2: Well, thank you so much for asking me to chat with you. It's been great. Thank you. It has been so lovely having you. I guess there's one more thing I forgot to mention. As a result of my first book, I had a podcast on Ancient Faith Radio for 14 years. Okay. Which I just retired from actually (laughs) this year only because I ran out of books to read. So I could have got, you know, kept going for years. And I was invited to host this weekly podcast where I read Christian books to children. Including the Chronicles of Narnia, I have two oh, years of two years of readings that. on that. By the way, wow! Yes. And it was because when I had my interview about Under the Grapevine, I was asked to read it on the radio, and the CEO John Maddox loved my. British accent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the reading so much that that he invited me to do that. So yes, yeah, so I have 14 years of archived readings there.
0: Can people access those somewhere? Yes.
2: I think it's ancientfaith.com slash podcast slash grapevine. Okay. But if they put readings from under the grapevine, they'll find it.
1: Okay. Well, there you okay. go. Well, thank you so much for stopping by, Chrissy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you both. It's
2: thank been great you. talking.
1: It's great talking to you too. Bye <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, how wonderful to talk to Chrissy. What a talented author she is. Mm -hmm. You can get onto our website. We're going to have postings there that will get you into other books that she has written and also so that you can find her if you want to listen to her read some of the stories.
0: I want to listen to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with her reading with an English accent. That sounds wonderful.
1: (laughs) That'd be great.
0: I love it. Really? I some nice winter evening with uh, hot
1: tea in hand. Just listening That's a, to that. That sounds delightful. It really does. <laughs> now you can see why I said I read that book with her accent in mind as I was reading it. It adds a certain flair to us Americans, I guess. I think you're exactly right. We love English accents. <laughs> Well, stop by the front porch next time. It's going to be a new year, new books, new podcasts. That's so exciting. I know you do. <laughs> We're going to
0: ring in 2022 with a whole new lineup. Woohoo! <laughs> well, our listeners can get in touch with us by going to our website at frontporchbookclub.com. Be sure to check it out. And yeah, Linda will put all kinds of links from Chrissy's episode page so that people can easily find all the things that we talked about today.
1: Our episodes come out twice a month on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. If you like the show, please be sure to leave a review on Apple podcasts. Well, this was fun, Lenny.
0: Always Nance. I'll see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.